relationships are the fabric of our lives and uh, the healthier our relationships are the more fulfilling our lives become you normally look at anyone and you see whatever their relationships are like so their life goes and in the past couple of weeks we have been focusing on the foundational principles of having Christian relationships, of establishing and maintaining uh, wonderful Christian relationships. And we've been drawing lessons uh, from Scripture. We have uh, even had the opportunity to look at the amazing friendship of David and Jonathan. And uh, in the next couple of weeks, in this next two weeks, we're going to be looking at genders, male and female. So maleness and femaleness. I tell you that uh, males and females are, are quite much the same. We, we are almost the same, but yet intrinsically different at the same time. And in building the type of relationships that God would desire us to have, we cannot ignore that that is called the gender differential. Males and females think, act, operate in different ways from one another. They act and they feel a bit differently from each other. Why? Because God designed us differently. It is in the plan of God that we are different from one another. And until and unless we come into the place of understanding who we are and how God created us, then we will always have issues in relating intergender and even intragender. We will have troubles until we know who we are. Socrates famous, famously said, know who you are. We need to know ourselves and how God made us. And today, we're going to be looking at the first thing and uh, what we say is maleness or manhood. In fact, we title our, ser our sermon today, Mankind. It is going to be an interesting look at what man and maleness uh, may represent to us and may, may be uh, what, what, what the status of maleness is right now. So I will go very quickly in and say, what is the status of men today? What is the status of men? Firstly, men are busy. Men are extremely busy. And if you are, 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 are actually very honest and real about it, you will see that they are busy. You see, the world is so patriarchal. The majority of cultures in the world today, all around us, are led by males. It is males who are dominant, and it is males who are the influential ones, and they hold influential positions in the world, around the world, around the countries of the world. You look and you see it is males who are doing these things. It almost goes without a say, and it is therefore expected almost of every man that men should make it in life. Why should men make it in life? Because the world is tilted in their favor. It is so-called something that is called male, what do you call it? Male privilege. Have you heard of white privilege? We have heard of white privilege. There's something in the world that is called male privilege. And therefore, everyone is expecting that males should be able to achieve in life. Why? Because the world is tilted as, as, uh, in our direction in that way. Men find themselves under pressure to succeed in life. We are pressed to succeed. 
And the barometer of success has been defined by the world. The world has set aside and has put aside and has defined what success is. What is success by the world's standards? It is what kind of car you drive. It is how pretty your wife is. It is what part of the world that you live in, uh, which, which suburb you live in. If you live in the, the, the leafy suburbs, the, the, the more successful you are. It is how educated you are. If you have a, a certificate or a diploma, you are not considered so successful. As such as they who have the higher qualifications. Sometimes even success is dependent upon the number of children and the sexes of the children. You are not successful if you don't have and have not sired a, a male child. We have seen there are many who are, who are chasing that elusive Y chromosome. And they are chasing it around that they get two, three, four, five, six, seven. And the eighth one is still the blessed, wonderful girl. They are waiting to say, I am glad it's a bouncing baby boy. I wonder... What happens when you get a girl? It's never bouncing baby girl. It's just girl. Success in this world even captures such things. The weight of society and the weight of culture puts men in an, in an awkward place. That pressure is so relentless on men. The pressure to succeed, the pressure to be in the right place. And to do the right things. And to, and to come into this, this barometer of success. A few years ago, uh, we had a, a, house, a house help. And her name was Knight. And Knight was sent to us. Uh, she needed a job. And we, uh, we, we had her in, 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 in our house. And we were, we were happy. But two weeks after she came, we realized that there was a problem. Knight was not very happy where she had come. Because somebody had conspired. To move her from her boyfriend. So they had said, no, this one, we need to move her here and take her 380 kilometers away in Nairobi, away from this gentleman. So she had come and two weeks she had worked and she was told, make money first so that you can then go and get married. But two weeks into the job, she was like, no, I need my boyfriend. I want to go back. It was an awkward situation for myself and for Gladys. We talk and we say, okay, fine. Let us call. We call the person who brought her and say, okay, now uh, take this girl back. And the man was very annoyed. Say, what is it that you're going back to? He says, no, I, I love him. I want to go to him. And he was so annoyed. He says, who is this that you're going to? A man who doesn't even have a wheelbarrow. <laughs> and I realized, my Jesus, we need to have wheelbarrows to succeed in life. <laughs> there is a barometer. You need to have a wheelbarrow. If you don't have a wheelbarrow, you are nobody in this life. And this man was being, you know, he had been nimmered. He said, this is my girlfriend, but no, you need to buy a wheelbarrow first. Make something of your life. Then is when you can get a wife. Men are under pressure, my friends. We are under pressure and therefore we are pushing ourselves to the ground to find that elusive thing that is called fulfillment or is called success. We are pushing. It means it is increasingly difficult for anybody to have good relationships or quality relationships with us. Why? Because we are chasing this thing that is elusive. We are busy. We are busy. We are running left, right and center. There is no time to spend with us. This is the status of men. We are busy. 
We are constantly busy. But we are not only busy. Number two, we are pent up emotionally. We are pent up emotionally. What does that mean? It means that the pressures of life are many and are very heavy. We have been brought up in an environment that does not encourage us to show our vulnerability. Wherever we are, we are not brought up to show vulnerability. We've been told many a time, if things are not working well for us, this is the statement, jikaze kisabuni. Man up! Man up! It's not an easy thing when things are going wrong. In fact, it is always said, to be a mwanome is effort. Because we are not meant to show when things are going wrong. We are meant to jikaza kisabuni. I don't know where these statements came from. But these are things that are said by people who we love. And people who are close to us. They are the ones who tell us these things. Perhaps not in the same tone that I have spoken. That edgy tone of jikaze. But the message still comes through to every young man. That growing up, you need to bottle it up. You don't show your emotions. Don't wear your emotions on your, on, 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 what do you call it? Your sleeve. Thank you. From childhood, we have been told not to cry. Because that's for sissies. It's for sissies. It's not you, you know. We grow up knowing that we have to keep our emotions covered up or else we would be like, guess what? Women. Oh, I don't know if that is such a bad thing, but it is so. We were told we shouldn't be that way. We'd be the weaker ones. Emotional men were scorned upon. I remember in growing up, I used to see Kenneth Kaunda with his big white handkerchief. And I was grow- as a young man, I would see him, he'd be crying. And be- I mean, I was- I'd say, what kind of man is this who'd just be balancing tears at every place? He's just, he, go- he goes, he sees something, he's, bal- he's wiping, he's crying. I'd say, what kind of man is that? Many of us as men have grown up thinking like that. Imagine you have come home and you have found that KPLC have disconnected power. And your father comes and he begins, oh, whoa, lo, lo, lo. he begins crying that KPLC have disconnected power. <laughs> whoa, that is criminal. It is criminal. You would not even imagine that dad would think like that. But interestingly, for mom, if it was disconnected, we can understand that she would cry. I, I was about, I was just going to make you cookies. I was baking you cookies. Oh, in fact, there was a soap. The soap, my favorite soap was coming on. And now there's no fire. <laughs> you can see it happen. But for a man, you should not cry. You need to sort things out. Ours is solution oriented. You come, you find it. However bad it is, sort it out. Bottle it up. Don't show your emotions. Don't cry about it. You don't have money. You don't even know where you're going to get money to pay that bill. Go and pay it. Man up, jikaze. They said, effort. My friends, it's not easy dealing with people who have bottled up emotions. You don't know where they are. You don't know what they are thinking. You look at them and you think that they're with you, but are they with you really? This is the thing that is the status of men right now. You are thinking that you're walking together, but he has bottled up. He's not vulnerable. He is not able to share with you what is going through his mind. Bottle up emotions. One day it shall explode. And when it explodes, you're, you're there wondering, what happened? What happened? It exploded. 
because it was bottled up for too long. The third thing, the status of men, we have curtailed, we have what we call curtailed communicators. Our communication is normally short, very short and to the point. I, 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 I don't think that we, we are normally, no, we are not concise in our communication. We are just short. We don't have many words, so, it's, so it is spoken. And normally our words are solution-oriented. They are as few as possible. Women, on the other hand, are normally a little more gracious. They're normally a little more wordy and wonderful. They know how to communicate a bit better, perhaps, than men. We have curtailed communication. When your wife asks you, or, you know, what did you have for lunch? Well, I ate. So what did you eat? You'd almost want to say food, but you know it is rude. So I'd say, Ugalian meat. Ugalian meat. What kind of meat? It was, it was pork. So was it boiled or was it uh, fried? Was it... It's like, no, I've told you. I've, I ate ugali and I ate... I, you know, all these details. If you asked a woman, perhaps, it may be a bit different. So what, what, did, you, what did you have for lunch? Oh, man, let me tell you. <laughs> First of all, even before we went for lunch, we went and sat on a table. We were talking and they brought us a dish. The dish came. And you know, to give you the details, or even where the shopping was done, where the skooma was bought, they will, uh, how it was boiled. And, and uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's the beauty of women. And we bless women. But men, with their shortness of communication, I discovered in, by myself, because sometimes my wife used to ask me, so what did, did, you, did you have lunch? Mm, yes. What did you, yes. And I would tell her, and uh, sometimes it would be a bother to me, telling her what I ate. Until I realized, until I realized that she was actually planning on what to cook for dinner. Because sometimes we don't tell our wives, we don't tell our, you know, we, we, we curtail communication. Then you come for supper. It's like, ah, then you gully and it is the same things that I keep on eating all the time. You cannot think of anything else. But you, did you tell them what you have eaten? Did you tell them? You didn't tell them. I mean, you cannot blame anybody. You know, communication is the lifeblood of any relationship. In relating with men, it is that much harder to figure out who you're dealing with when you are people, you have people who are not communicating clearly and they're telling you the entire picture. They are keeping you almost in the dark. Relating with such people is not very easy. The fourth thing, the status of men, is that in our commitments and our faithfulness, there are struggles and there are battles. We are battling in the area of commitment. We are battling in the area of faithfulness. This big question happens. If, have you ever met a man, or is there a man who has climbed the success ladder, who can remain faithful to the woman that he started with? Once he has come into money, he has come into power, he has come in. He has come into these things. Is there a man who will remain faithful to the woman he started with? 
This is a big question. I think many women are asking the same question. Many who are walking among us, even perhaps you don't have a, you're, not, you're not married yet and you're looking and thinking, can men, can a man be faithful? In fact, it has been said that men are serial doggers. Have you ever heard of that term? That is a young, a young term. Serial cheats. As soon as the newest model comes out, as soon as we see that newest model, we are there. The big question is, can, when, once you have made the money, once you have come into this success, there then opens new doors. What new doors are there? There are some people who are called slay queens. Have you heard of these slay queens? These ones whose morals are fit for the sewer. And they are there among us, waiting eagerly in anticipation. These ones who are sponsored. They are waiting for that man who you have been working with. You have been sweating and walking with them. All of a sudden, you have been praying. He has come into money. Hallelujah. Then, with wigs that are made from the tails of horses of Singapore, they come around and they want to take the man from you. No. Can men remain committed and faithful? I tell you that there is faithfulness battles that are going on right now. And we are struggling. We are struggling as men. We are struggling as men. I don't know if I'm talking the truth here. You know, it is relationally very hard. And there are many marriages that are being broken because now people have come into success. They have come into money. Now the girls who were turning them away when they were 18, 19, 20 are the ones, now they can, they can be looked at. All of a sudden, you are, not, you are not anybody when you are in your early 20s. But now that you are turning 50, people are running, girls who are 18, 19 are running and chasing you. And when you're meeting this thing called a, a, a time of, of, of crisis, they are there telling you, you are awesome and you are lovely. Yeah? Just give me your money. That's all I want. That's all I want. All I need. And as soon as it goes, my friend, you are there left. And they will tell you to your face, what did you think? Who are you? You are after all my father's age. And who? Hello. It's the status of men. This is what we are struggling with right now. Listen, the reality, when you talk to men, men will tell you that uh, all these things that you hear, these things are they're, they're causing a lot of issues with men. And the reality is that when you talk to men, men will tell you, by the way, I'm okay. Nico, sao. I'm sao, I'm okay. But the reality is different. The reality is this, that men are frustrated. Why are men frustrated? Because their best laid out efforts, their, their best laid out plans have not, are not working to the degree that they have desired them to work. You can imagine, nobody ever wants to, to fail. Nobody wants to have a crisis in their marriage. Nobody wants to have these things. But somehow, even after you've put out your best laid plans, you find that they are not working. Things are on the rocks. Many of them want the best. All of us, we want the best for our families. 
But you end up finding that things, are, things have gone haywire. Many of the men are in debt because of the things that we have done, the risks that we have taken. We are, we are running to try and make money, to try to get this elusive thing called success. We have now fallen into debt and men are there in debt, sinking in debt. And, and, and they are frustrated by the issues of their relationships that are not working. People are wondering what next, unable to resolve. They would want even to give their right hand up. I was discipling one man and, 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 and he was frustrated. Frustrated why? Because the things that he was doing, he knew that he should not do. Paul writes, he says, hey, uh, the things, the very thing that I knew I should not do is what I was doing. And it's the same truth for us. Men are so frustrated. This man was so frustrated, he's saying, I'm going to cut my finger off just so that Jesus and God may know that I am serious. If perhaps I maim myself, he will understand that I am serious. I want to work and I want to live for him. There are many men who want to live for Jesus, but are frustrated at the things that are happening in their lives. Many men are lost. They have no idea of what their purpose is in life. Uh, many have chased after these famous things that are on the barometer of, su of success. They have chased after wealth. They have chased after education. They have chased after power. They have chased after relationships. And they have got them. But then they have found out that none of them satisfies. They have got them. There are people here who have money like crazy. There's, there's, there's investments like crazy. There's, there's things. But you know, when you talk to them, they will tell you, I, I don't know why I'm here. I am lost in this world. I don't know why. Why am I here? Many men are lost. Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 26 says this, What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? And you know, some of us have gained portions of the world. We have gained it and we have it. We have portions of the world, not the whole world. Portions. But even if you were to get the whole world but lose your soul, it is something that is crazy. The soul, our soul, costs more than anything in the world. In fact, it costs more than everything in the world. Your soul is the most expensive thing that you ever could have. Your soul, as a man, is the most expensive thing that ever you could ever have. Men are lost. They don't know their purpose. Men also are alone. Many men have no one who is genuinely concerned and close to them. And anyone who comes close sometimes are people who come and they have strings attached. Anyone who comes close to you is coming because he, has, he, he expects that he's going to get something from you. There are not many men in this world who have close friends. There are not many who are people who are concerned about their lives, who will follow them through the thick and the thin. But there are people who are just there, supplanters, waiting to benefit from them. As soon as they are benefited, they fly out. And many of us are alone. We walk life alone, bereft of friends, bereft of people who can stand with us, who can stand beside us, who can walk with us, who can tell us a thing or two, who can help us in our season of trials. Men are alone. Elijah was alone. At least he thought he was alone. When you look at what Elijah did, Elijah went unto God and he complained to God. He says, God, I am alone. I am the only one left. 
But God told him, no, you're not alone. There is 7,000 more like you. You are not alone. There is 7,000 more who have not bowed their knee to any bow. Men are alone. And they are stuffing it. And they are wondering, who is it who is going to be with me? Men are also tired. Tired of putting on masks that say that I am okay. When you ask a man, I am okay. Men are tired. We are tired of the rat race. We are tired of saying we are okay, but yet we are empty on the inside. We are tired. We are tired of this race. We are tired mentally, emotionally, relationally, morally, financially. We are tired. No wonder. No wonder the majority of suicides in Kenya today and around the world are done by men. No wonder. Men are tired. Men have reached the end. They have come to the place at which they now know there is no, nothing else for me to do but to opt out. No wonder suicides, the leading suicides are, are done by men. It is men. Men are tired. Men are frustrated. Men are feeling alone with no one to listen to them. Men. This is the issue of men. No wonder the majority of drug and alcohol uh, abuses are done by men. Men who need to find escape. Escape from being sober, from being in their senses when they are awake. So they need to go to another thing that they may, they, they, they may find an escape because the world as it is, is too much pressure. Too much expectation. Too much, too much weight upon their shoulders. No wonder our prisons are filled by men who have lost direction and have committed crimes and are now in danger and are not wanted by community. This is what happens to people who are tired, to people who are frustrated, to people who are lost, to people who are alone. This is what happens. And this is our status right now. It sounds like it is very dreary. It sounds like it is very hard. But it is a truth that we must speak about. You see, the big issue that men have got to figure out is this, and this is the big battle that we are facing. It is... Should we be the people who we are created to be? Or should we be the people who we are tempted to be? We were created to be something, but yet on the other hand, we are tempted to be something else. This is the battle that is in every man's heart. Either to walk in the way of the Lord, or to do or to use the easier path, the wider path. You know the path to hell is a, wide, it's a broad path. The Bible says that the road that leads to hell is broad and, and many are going by that route. Why? Because it's the easy route. The route of temptation is the easier route. But the route of the word is, 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 is less easy. Yes, it is crooked. It's a crooked path. And it's a, it's, a, it's a slim path. And men are wondering. The biggest decision that you and I can make today is to be and to choose to be who we are created to be other than who we are tempted to be. Now the question this is this. Why is it that men are in trouble? We have seen the status of men and we have said that indeed they are in trouble. But we must ask ourselves, why is it that men in particular are these ones that are in trouble? Our, our answer comes in Genesis chapter number 1 from verse 26 and 27. This is why men are in trouble. If we read 26 and 27, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. 
Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the, all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Why is it that men are in trouble? The first reason is this. Anything that is created in the image and in the likeness of God will come under the attack of the enemy. Anything that is created in his image. It doesn't matter that you are saved, that you are born again. It doesn't matter that you are living well. It doesn't matter any of those things. So long as you look like God, so long as the enemy sees you and he sees an image of God, he will attack you. No wonder men are in trouble. Because it is so. It is so. We are being attacked. Because whenever Satan sees us, he sees the image and the likeness of God. Whether we are living right or not. You know, sometimes people say, oh, me, if I'm, I'm an unbeliever, I am friends with the devil. No, never. Never. The devil hates you because of who you look like. You look like your father, the maker. He hates you. And therefore, this is why we have problems. Even if you have not done a mistake, you have lived your life well, you will find yourself in trouble. Just like Job. Job never had a problem. He, he was not a sinner. In fact, he was the most righteous man in the East. But he found himself in trouble. Why? Because he was made in the image of God. Men, one of the reasons why we are in trouble is this, that we are made in the image of God. And therefore, the enemy hates us to the core. There is nothing that we can do. Nothing that he will like. The second reason is this. The role that God has given to men, headship, is foundational in keeping family and keeping nation on the right path. The role that God has given to you as a man, it is called the role of headship. It is foundational in keeping things moving. If you look at what uh, is written in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, then the Lord, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Verse number 15 onwards, it goes on to say, God put man in the garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. To tend it and to keep it. God formed man first. And this is the divine order. God formed man first. And therefore, that first means headship. It means that we are meant to be leaders. It means that we are meant to be guiding. We are meant to be protecting. We are meant to be providing. We are meant to be keeping things right. We are not only meant to keep the animals in the garden. We are also meant to keep relationships. We are meant to keep things going. No wonder Cain and Abel, Cain, after killing Abel, God asks him, where is your brother? And he asks, am I my brother's keeper? He knew he was meant to be keeping his brother. As men were meant to be keepers. And to be a leader doesn't mean to be head, to be head, to be the head. Doesn't mean that you are overly dominant. It doesn't mean that you are a dictator. That's not what it means. John Piper writes a, a, a very interesting story. And uh, I, 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 will, I will change the story a, a little bit just for context. He writes about 
a man and a woman coming into church. And this man and the woman, the man sits, sits, sits over there and he notices this woman. And he thinks, whoa, okay, not bad. And as the service ends, as they walk out, he approaches the woman and says, Hi, my name is so-and-so. Um, I saw you in the service and I really am interested in getting to know you better. Can we have a coffee at uh, Kasuku Center? And the woman is like, oh yes, I actually had, a, I had a something. Let me just call and cancel because I also want to hear what you have to say. And they go down. As they are walking down, he discovers that she is a karateka black belt. <laughs> and they head out and they are at Kasuku Center. And he has, has her seated. And he asks her, what will you eat? And she responds. And he calls the waiter. And he's, she is served with food. When they finish eating, he says, I will pay. And she says, uh, okay. And he pays. And, and they walk out. Do you see leadership there? Who's, who initiated? Is that leadership? When they were walking down the road and they were, they were talking, you know, when they arrived there, who, who, who asked, what will you have? Was she dictated upon, you must eat chips and nothing else? <laughs> this is the kind of leadership that, is, that the Bible is talking about. You know? What will you have? Ah, I will have so and so. Okay, wonderful. Waiter, come. Give this dear wonderful lady what she wants. That is leadership. This is the kind of leadership that, that the Bible is talking about for men. Headship. As soon as they finished and they were walking out, they walked out and they met thugs who said, your life, your wallet or your life. And the man quickly pulled the woman back and he jumped in front of her and said, hey, where? Deal with me first before you can get to this lady. And the guys worked on him, Kabisa, he was on the floor, down. He was down, out. And the lady then checks in with her karateka. Whoa! And she destroys these two guys. They are, they are done. They have to call an ambulance for the, for the guy to be taken to the hospital. Let me ask you. Does it mean that leadership... Leadership is responsibility. It is taking charge of the situation. I am defending my... Whether you know that she is a karateka or not, I will do... One as if you were son. When he appeared in hospital, eh, she realized this is the kind of man to marry. One as if you were son. This is the headship that the Bible is, the Bible is talking about. It's the leadership that the Bible is talking about. It is not to be, oh, now the man has checked in. Hey, hey. The children are running under the doors, under whatever it may be that the man, eh, dictator. No, we are not dictators. We are leaders. Headship has been given to us. The role that God has given to us is foundational in keeping family and in keeping nation together. Sometimes there have been seasons when uh, uh, women have come up and said that we want, we want equality, but you are equal. This is the problem. The Bible says this. When the foundations have been destroyed, 
in, in Psalm 11 and verse 3. What will the righteous do? Because God has set some standards. He has set some foundations about what ought to be in relationships. What, how it ought to be. It is not that the man is dominant. No, the man is a leader. He's been given leadership. He's been given guiding. He's been given protecting. He's been given providing. This is it. This is why men are in trouble. The question then begs, what should we do? Number one, we ought to surrender to God. We ought to surrender to God. The enemy is after us. And the only place of safety and refuge is in Christ Jesus. That is the only place that we can find safety. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 10. Thy name, O Lord, or the name of our Lord is a strong tower. The righteous will run into it and they will find safety. We sang about it today. We sang about it in, in, in the songs that we are singing. We need to run into Jesus. Ah, we need to realize that life is impossible and is impossibly difficult without and outside the ambit and the control of Jesus Christ. We need to run into him. And as we are running in, we are surrendering. By the way, it is not just a thing that you have a mental ascent of it and you are saying, now I will, I, will, I, will, uh, apply, I will line up with Jesus. You need to surrender. You need to give him total and complete control. You have to capitulate. You have to come to a place where you resign as manager, as CEO, as, as director of your life. And you need to surrender it to Jesus. There are many who are here, who are, who are still sitting on the throne of their lives, directing and guiding. You cannot do it. It is impossible. You will end up like the stories we have, we have heard here. We have, we, have, we have talked about today. You will end up like that if you do not surrender to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The second thing we ought to do is to find a discipler. And this one is important. It's the most important thing that you could ever do. Find a discipler. Find somebody that you can walk with. Somebody who can show you how life ought to be led. Because men are always falling on the, at, at, at the turns in life, at the difficult times of our lives. That is when we find that we are, we are, we are tempted to do the easy thing. We need discipler. We need to find a discipler. Let me show you in the scriptures what happened even in discipling. In 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 1 and 2, David uh, departed from there and he escaped to the cave that is called Adullam. And his brothers, his father's household had it. They went down there to him. Everyone, listen to this, everyone who was in distress, who was in debt, and who was discontented gathered to him. And he became captain over them. Now there were 400 men who were with him. Everyone who was what? In distress, in debt, discontented. This is the same story of men today. Men are frustrated, discontented. Men are tired. Men have been judged. Men are in debt. Men are in trouble. But these same people, this same category of people came up and they realized that we cannot do it by ourselves. They gathered up to a man called David. They gathered to an anointed person. They gathered to a God-fearing lover of God. Note that David was not perfect. He was not even a wealthy man. No, neither was he even an old man. No, he was a man who had a heart for God. And he passionately pursued him. This is who we need to find. As men, we need to find disciples. People who will hold our hand and walk with us when things are going rough. When things are going haywire, helter-skelter, we need somebody to tell us, brother, it is going to be okay. I have been there, I have walked this path, and I know that you will pass. 
you will come. You will be able to go through. We don't need uh, to go, and you know, a lot of times we're going for discipleship classes. A, a discipleship class is an okay thing to go for, but we need a discipler to be able to work with us in our day-by-day lives. When you are having a trouble, you need to hear, you need to have somebody who, who can whisper something in your ear and tell you, no, bro, this is the way to go. This is the way to do it. Going for a discipleship class is one thing. Having a discipler is another. David discipled these people. They were with him every day. They would watch him as he goes to pray. As he played his harp, they were there watching him. And they were learning how to worship God. They were learning how to operate. They were learning how to become soldiers, how to become men of God. He was not perfect. But they learned the best from him. Jesus was the same way. Jesus took 12 men and walked with these 12. Three years he was walking, they were watching everything he was doing and they were learning from him. They learned from him to such an extent that when they were walking without him, they would say, these ones have been with Jesus. We are asking that men may come. You may be in this state, you may be in distress, you may be in debt, you may be discontented. But if you begin to walk with somebody who is anointed of God, with somebody who has passion to follow after God, with somebody who cares for you and will be there for you, your life will be transformed just like these people's lives. In 2 Samuel chapter 23, we see how these, these men who were discontented, 400 of them, 30 of them were called mighty men. They became mighty men. If you look at 2 Samuel chapter 23, 8 and 9, these are the names of the mighty men whom David had. He had many names and there are very, very many names there. Interesting names of people. They became, they were discontented, in debt, discouraged. Now, a few years later, they are the mighty men of God. Listen, God is after making you a mighty man. You who is a man in this house, God is after making you a mighty man. Or that you may find a disciple. In the, in the next few weeks, we're going to be walking, and I'm going to be talking to some of you directly, to ask you, will you follow? Will you follow me? And some of our people here are going to be asking, will you follow me? If you want to follow somebody, come and follow somebody. That person doesn't have to be perfect because you will never find a perfect person. But you will only find a person who is anointed of God. You will find a person who is passionate about Jesus, who can walk you through life and walk with you through life so that you may not end up in the place where these other men have ended up. God is calling us to be a people who are mighty. Mighty in leading our families, in guiding, in protecting, and in providing for our people. Maybe there's somebody who is here as a man, and I want to talk to men now. There's somebody here, and you have been struggling in your life. You're saying, I have come to the end. I've, I don't know. I am, I am tired. I am frustrated. I'm feeling like I, I don't know what to do anymore. God is saying today, I want to start you on a new path. I want to start you on a new path. A path to become a mighty man. To become that kind of man. That kind of man who becomes mighty. Mighty in leading. Mighty in guiding. Mighty in protecting. Mighty in providing for your household. I know that there are people who are here. Can the music team just come there are people here who may need a prayer 
you need to surrender to God. You want to surrender your, your life to God. You want to surrender your household to God. You want to surrender the things that are around about you. You want to surrender to God. If you're here as a man and you're saying, I, I need, I am tired. I need help. I need help. Even as the music starts, you may just rise up where you are and we'll pray for you. And we'll pray with you. God has given us a way now that we ought to go. We'll not call you up to the front. Just where you are, where you're standing is where we'll pray. And I know that God is going to do it. God is going to help us. You see, every man is going through these struggles. Even me as I stand before you here, I am not the only man. I want to be